Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. The title of our topic today is I Know How This Story Ends. I Know How This story i know how this story ends all right i have seen a spoiler i know how this particular thriller that is called my life i know how this story whatever it is that you're going through right now i know how this story and it's coming from a scripture in romans chapter 8 that has given me great peace in this season it's been you can imagine the past nine ten months have just been ridiculous actually since the beginning of the year it was one thing after another, after another, after another, a lot of people were completely blindsided by the level of chaos that we've experienced in 2020. But this scripture has given me great peace, and I hope it does the same for you. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 28, the Bible says, and we know, we know, what do we know? That all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And we know we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. I know how this story ends. I was, I was tempted to um, title this one, The Game is Rigged, but people would think I'm taking shots at a particular individual who's been complaining about elections that have been rigged in recent times. So I changed the topic, all right? Um, I know how this story ends, but the game is actually rigged. Amen. Amen. So the Bible says this, and we know that all things, all things, <laughs> when the Bible says all things, we need to really think and meditate about what that means. Really, it means all things, as simple as that sounds. It means that your triumphs and your challenges, it means that the good things and the bad things, all right, the great things and the not so great things, the not so great things and the outright terrible things, your victories, your defeats, all right, your pain, <laughs> your suffering in some seasons, your delays, your denials, the rejection, sometimes your disappointment, sometimes your wins and your losses, your victories, your losses, your gains, even sickness, even affliction, even trials and triumphs. The Bible says that all things, not just good things, not just somewhat okay things, not just completely bad things. The Bible says that all things, all things, that's the beginning there. And I know this is a scripture. By the way, when I quote the scripture and I'm teaching from this scripture, there is a tendency for many people to say, oh, I know this verse of the Bible. I'm just, you know, I know exactly what he's going to say. Let me assure you, number one, that this is one of the most misquoted scriptures, texts in all the scripture, because people just say, all things work together for good, and they stop there. So they don't start at the beginning, and they don't get to the end. And so we need to understand and put it in context, put it in perspective. The Bible says that all things, defeats, pains, losses, gains, sufferings, all right, promotions, retrogressions, that breakup, that season where you were job hunting for seven months, and it looked like no single interview showed up, and it was starting to even mess with your mental health, that season of depression and anxiety, those seasons of extreme happiness where you had a series of wins and you were just like, oh, God is really with me in this season. The challenges that you faced, the seasons of loneliness, the seasons of community, good, bad, ugly, 
okay not so okay the bible says all all just let you understand that let that sink in that it's all things and it doesn't say all things that happen to you it says all things so in other words there are all things that happen to you that have to do with your life that day that week that difficult professor that difficult boss in the office the day that and the week that your wife or your spouse and you weren't getting along but that was stuff that happened to you but the bible says all things in other words the things that did not happen to you so um, the day or the weeks and the time when the weather was extremely hot time when the economy was crashing so it was just it wasn't localized it wasn't specific to you things that happened in general things that happened to others all things the bible says economic depression global pandemic just anything the bible says all things work together now what the bible is trying to tell us here is this god pay attention your god my god is that person who is very capable of taking all things and this is a list that has no beginning and no end like every moment of your passing life and your passing existence good bad ugly everything and god is able to take all those things and arrange them assume that he was a coach arrange them and make them part of a team that's playing towards one common goal god is able to arrange all these crazy conflicting contradictory emotions and events and circumstances that surround your life place them together on a board and put them on the same team to establish or to achieve one common goal only god only god is able to do that only god has the brain power to manage such complexity all things the day you missed your bus and you know you end up or the day you sat beside a weirdo on the bus or the day that you showed up to the office slightly late and your pants got ripped because it got hooked all these little details of your life god is able to take everything make sense of it piece them together put them on a playing field and tell all of them you need to work towards one goal which is called good which is called good imagine that this is where the mind explosion emoji really works like your brain is blown by just the capacity of god to interpret and to take and to orchestrate and to direct events of your life to an outcome that he calls good and he doesn't just do it for you because you're not the only one who is his child he does it for everybody all his children who are called according to his purpose our god is infinitely wise that is worthy of praise this is a time where if we were in a physical building we would be clapping our hands stomping our feet and just saying god is amazing that he's able to process that much information to begin with but not only process it use it to achieve a consistent result so don't ever think i said all that to say this that don't ever think that god is flustered by the events that you're facing don't ever think that god is shocked don't ever think that god is depressed when he sees the things you're going through don't ever think that god is out of ideas don't ever think that you're at a dead end or that there are just no options you may not see the options but there is a god who doesn't just see the options in this particular scenario he's able to see it from eternity god is the one who has lived yesterday today and his past is in his future and his future is in his past and everything is all mingled together because he lives in an eternity now he is very capable he's not flustered and so god wants me to tell someone i'm not flustered about your situation i'm not be still and know that i am god be still and know that i am god it's been a difficult year guys it's been rough <laughs> it's almost like and not good but really if we must be honest that's how we feel like 
every week we just wake up and say, okay, what craziness are we going to hear again about this? What, what else are we going to hear this week that's just going to make 2020 complete? Just disaster after disaster, one thing after the other. 1.34 or 1.35 million human beings passed away this year due to COVID. Can you imagine the tragedy on the face of the earth? And so there is a tendency and there is a very... And it's, it's understandable for us to have a little bit of despair and hopelessness. But the Bible says that do not forget that God is not flustered. Don't ever think that God is shocked. Don't ever think that God is out of ideas like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to fix this problem. Let me seek consultation. No, 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 no. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1 and 17 that now unto the king eternal, immortal, invincible, and the only wise God, the only, not the wisest God, the only only wise god because when you put god's wisdom okay when you present god's wisdom every other form of wisdom fades away it appears to be foolishness when you compare it with god's wisdom because he's just that wise he's the only one who can take all things all things and put them on the same team and say you bad events you're going to form the defense line and you okay defense you're going to form the midfield and then you're going to have your strikers and i'm going to use all of you irrespective of what you think you're doing to my son or my daughter and it's going to work out for you good that should give you a lot of excitement that should give you a lot of hope it sure gives me a lot of hope because that's the only way for you to have that peace of God that passes all understanding. When the Bible talks about the peace of God that passes all understanding, the reason it passes all understanding is because it makes no sense. It's the peace that Jesus had when the boat was filling up with water and he's sleeping. It makes no sense. How do you go through the things you've gone through? How do you, how can you tell someone your story and they're looking at you like, how are you still able to smile? It's the peace of God that passes our understanding. And this scripture is a solid foundation to understand that peace of God that passes our understanding. God is not flustered at all. All right. He is still in charge. Be still and know that he is God. So the Bible says that all things. The next thing it says is that all things work together. The word there in the Greek is the same word from which we get synergies. And this is what Christians do sometimes, which is really tragic and very disappointing. We tell people, oh, someone says, I've had a really rough week or, you know, something is happening in my life. You say, well, all things work together for good. And I know that you mean right. But basically what you're implying is that this thing is going to work together for your good. But that's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible says all things work together. So this one isolated event by itself may not make sense. And that's perfectly okay. But God is saying to us that when you take that, and God uses it and models it up. It's just like, you know, you're cooking something. You take all the ingredients by themselves. They don't make sense. I don't know anyone who just sits down and starts to swallow salt. You might end up in the hospital. You're not going to just start to swallow spices if you're in your right mind. But you take it all and mix it all together to achieve an outcome. So the Bible says all things, they're working together. Not individual. Not that, oh, you just got fired in the office. Oh, this is going to work out for your good. No, it's saying that in conjunction with everything else that has gone on in your life, internal, external, environmental factors, and everything is going to work out for your good, for your good. It's the same word for synergy. You bring it all together before it makes sense. Apart, it makes no sense. So there's no sense in the loss you've suffered. There's no sense in the pain that you felt. There's no sense in the fact that your bank account for the whole of 2020 has been bouncing between zero and $50 consistently. And it doesn't seem to have any hope of going high. There's no sense in those things and those isolated events or incidents, but it's the togetherness, the coming together of everything in the hands of a God who is infinitely wise that starts to make sense.
So it's a partnership. It's a collaboration of sorts between all the events of your life. And the Bible says they work together for one goal. So when that team of all things, team of all things, all right, sounds like a cool title, team of all things. When that team of all things scores a goal, the Bible says that goal is called good. Don't forget, I know how this particular story ends and how it ends is good. This is where I really start to teach and I need to understand what I'm about to say to you so that you don't become a very disappointed Christian. All right, what is good? How do we define good? How do we define good? Let me give you a scripture that very quickly would help me because I'm about to disabuse you of certain notions of what good is. So let me give you this scripture to help prepare the way for what I'm about to do. So the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, Genesis 3 and verse 6, the Bible says that, so when the woman, talking about Eve, saw that the tree was good for food, <laughs> that it was pleasant to the eyes, and that it was a tree that was desirable to make one wise. It was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes. It was desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruits and she ate it because it was good. The Bible says it was so good that she wanted to share it with her husband. She's like, babe, you're not going to believe what I just ate. The fruit, it's good. It's pleasant to the eyes. All right. It's good to make one wise. It's desirable to make one wise. So she ate it and she gave her husband with her and he also ate it. So what is really good? How do we define good? Because when I ask you what's good, it's obvious. You're going to be like, uh, duh, pastor. Good is something that makes me happy. Wrong. Drugs make you happy. Temporarily, before you lose your mind, good is what I want. Wrong. We have been known to want things that are not good for us. Good is anything that helps me to achieve my goal. Wrong. What is good? Because when we read the scriptures, we assume that we are the writers or the author of scripture. We don't understand that there is a perspective in the mind of the person who writes or who wrote the Bible. And this case is not Paul, by the way. Paul is the writer. The Holy Spirit is the author of all scripture. The Bible says that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. What is good? To make more money is good. Okay? Are you sure? Are you sure? I'll read a scripture to you and then I'll tell you what good is. In Hebrews chapter 5, I want to read verse 14, but because I think it's important, this is a very, this is a very good scripture, so I'll, I'll read from verse 12. Hebrews 5 from verse 12 to 14, the Bible says that, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. In other words, you're supposed to be more mature than this. How come you who should be a teacher, you still need teachers? How come you who should be helping other people, you're still in a car seat and you're still being pushed in a stroller that's what the bible is trying to say here it says and you have come to need milk and not solid food you're not strong enough to digest solid food it says for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness that's a topic for another day unskilled so it's very possible for you to be unskilled in the word of god for he's a babe then he says this but solid food belongs to those who are of full age full age that is, those who by reason of use pay attention, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. To discern both good 
and evil. I said all that to say this, that good is always discerned. Good is always discerned. And it takes spiritual maturity to discern. What the text is saying to us that good and evil must be discerned. So good is not assumed. It takes maturity to discern good. So I ask you again, what is good? Because when we look at the word good in that text, in Romans 8, 28, that we read, all things work together for good. If you look at it at the root word and break it down, go you know, do some kind of linguistic recovery, you'd understand that it talks about good, whether it's seen to be so or not. So in other words, sometimes good is not so obvious. It's good whether it's seen to be so or not. What is good? Let me say to you that the first criteria that God uses to define good, because when we say, I know that this is working out for my good, I know this is just working out for my good, let me be careful that you understand what good means. The first criteria that God uses to define good is if it's good for your soul. If it's good for your soul. If it secures your soul. Because the Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his soul? In other words, if you have money, you have a private jet, you have a house, on the beach in Greece and you lose your soul, God calls that very bad. The first lens through which God judges what is good is that it preserves your soul. The first thing that God is interested in is the preservation of your soul in all situations. So if all things are working together for good, the first thing, the first box it must take with God is that your soul must be preserved is that your eternal future is guaranteed that it does not cause you to walk away from god so if god would give you a job that will take you away from his presence and will cause you to backslide and lose your faith god will not give you that job because good to god is the preservation of your soul first okay now we're starting to understand why many christians are very confused they're like but i thought god wanted the best for me because you define the best for you as what you want what would give you pleasure what's good to the eyes what's your liking what you enjoy and god is saying first things first my priority the scale of priorities way up uncontestable first is the preservation of your soul so when you say good is your soul preserved spiritual value so the first good that would happen in all things that are happening to you is that it would help you become more spiritual it would secure you in god the second thing that god looks at when he's defining good so it takes the first box the second box that it needs to take is that is the overall will of god being done is the overall will of the father being done when you read the book of Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, and God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. You see that over and over again. Genesis 1 and verse 31, the last verse, the Bible says that God saw that everything was very good. Why? What made it qualify as very good? It only qualified as very good because, because the will of God was being done. So in your life, if it helps you to know God more, tick the first box. Good may not look good to you at all but god says it's good if his will is being done take the second box good i'll give you a story in the bible in the book of this is a confusing one the book of judges chapter 13. the bible tells us of a man called samson how many of you know samson samson was this 
guy who the holy spirit manifested in his life in a very unique way he had superhuman strength when the spirit of god came upon him the holy spirit can do that you know and this guy goes to the land of the philistines the enemies of israel the enemies of god he sees a babe and he says to his parents get me that damsel because she pleases me back in the day you told your parents when you liked a babe to go get the babe for you i don't understand that but that's how it worked get me the damsel because she pleases me and his parents are like what is wrong with you this is against the laws of god i mean why would you can you not find any girl from our own country why do you have to go into the the philistines of all people why don't you even pick a neutral nation that is neither an enemy nor a friend why do you have to go all the way to the camp of the enemy and the bible says this that from god's point of view this was a good thing his parents were complaining and they had quote unquote spiritual reasons for complaining but the bible says this was a good thing because god was looking for an occasion against the philistines god would use this to accomplish his will is the will of god being done that's how god determines what's good is his overall plan being done and then after your soul is preserved after you've come into the knowledge of god you know god more and his will is being done the third thing is your enjoyment then your enjoyment can play so if it ticks all three boxes it's good as far as god is concerned oh by the way if it ticks just the first box it's good as far as god is concerned if it ticks the first and second box is good but if it ticks just the third box which is just my enjoyment i have more money than i can spend i have more cars than i can drive i don't want for anything physical but the will of god is not being done through you god's grand purpose and his agenda is not being fulfilled in your life or it's taking you away from the presence of god god says that this is very bad this is very bad and so listen to me listen to me let me explain this in a second you remember the story of a man in the bible called joseph i'm going to talk about certain guys three guys jays joseph jonah and job joseph had a dream because anytime we quote the scripture all things work together for good we think about joseph because in genesis chapter 50 he does allude to that revelation joseph had a dream i dreamt that i would be great my whole family is going to bow down to me i'm going to be a big i'm going to make it okay i'm going to make it and the bible says that his life starts to decline his brothers develop a hatred for him a passionate hatred for him the kind of hatred that makes it justifiable to them that they intend to kill him his own brothers okay he starts to suffer many things as a result of the dream that god gave him his brothers eventually sell him into slavery to egypt i know when we say that because we've read it over and over again we're desensitized to some of the realities what does that really mean it's the equivalent of your own brothers testifying falsely against you in a case and sentencing you to life in prison because being a slave being sold into slavery was a life sentence the height of betrayal so that ride to egypt was a painful ride for joseph he'll be in the carriage if they let him be in the carriage and he didn't have to walk the way and he'd just be thinking how could my own brothers do this to me this is very contrary to all the dreams that god had shown me pain i would never see my father again there was no chance slavery it was a life sentence you know the pain and the grief that must have been in his heart and then he shows up to the house of potiphar he's able to see a counselor a therapist rehabilitate himself Thera therapist tells him don't worry okay just make the best of where you are now 
don't worry about where you're coming from. It's going to be okay. You can still do well. And he starts to serve in the house of Potiphar. And he does it so well. He administers with grace. The hand of God is upon his life. And again, he is betrayed by Potiphar's wife. This time, because he obeys God. She lies against him. He's thrown in jail. In Egypt. An Egyptian jail. And again, he feels the same emotions. It's triggered something in him. This is exactly what happened to me before. I was betrayed. I did nothing wrong. Why? Why is this happening to me? Why do I have to go through all this? And he sits in jail. And somehow, the Holy Spirit does a work on his heart. He's able to somehow rehabilitate himself, have the right posture of heart, his emotions are right, and he's actually helping people in prison. Don't assume that that's a natural thing to do because we just think, well, Joseph was just a really nice dude. No, something had to have happened to his mind to get him to get over the pain that he had endured. And there he is in prison. He prophesies to this guy, you would be restored to the right hand of Pharaoh and all that and all that. And But please, please, he begs this guy, please, I'm begging you, when you leave here and the prophecy <laughs> that I have given you comes to pass, please remember me before Pharaoh. Tell Pharaoh that I've done nothing. You should read that story. It's an impassioned plea. Please, I did nothing to be here. Tell Pharaoh, just get me out of jail. And the Bible says that this dude forgets him. So, talk about triggers. He's like, people are just crap. I don't want to deal with people anymore. How can I possibly do He was probably expecting the day that guy left the jail, that by the very next day, at least one week, maximum of one week, they're going to come get me out of here. I have a contact, <laughs> all right, in the White House. They're going to get me out. I'll be pardoned. The guy forgot about him. And all these things were happening, happening. Oh, those were the things that happened to him. Don't forget I talked about the things that are internal and external. But while that was happening to him, something else was happening externally. God was preparing for a famine to hit the land. God, something was happening in the life of Pharaoh. The Bible says Pharaoh had a dream and he could not sleep. And these are all part of the pieces, okay, this team of all things. That God was arranging. And all of a sudden, somehow, Pharaoh had a need. And the guy who forgotten him remembered him. They brought him before Pharaoh. He helps Pharaoh solve a problem. And Pharaoh says, you know what? There is no one as wise as you. You will become my prime minister in the land. Put a robe on him. Put a ring on his finger. Give him a horse. He became. So he went from prison to palace. And that's the prayer point that most Christians pray for. In Jesus' name, I'll go from the prison to palace like Joseph. I bind every spirit of prison. I receive the spirit of palace. Okay. That's what happened to Joseph, really. And he showed up in the palace. But eventually, at the end of his life, Joseph has a revelation. And stay with me. That is extremely important. Because when it's all said and done, his brothers are scared. He saves his brothers. He preserves their lives, obviously, because of the famine. He'd become prime minister. If you read the story of Joseph, very popular. But in Genesis 15 and verse 20, this is what happens. His brothers are scared that he is going to exact revenge upon them. And he says to them, But as for you, all you, my brothers... You meant evil against me, but God, but God, but God, but God meant it for good. Now, remember we talked about this. What is good? Good is this. He said God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day, which is what? To save many lives, to save many people alive. So, good, Joseph understood that the good was not so much that I'm now a prime minister, that I now have more money than I need that I now have an Egyptian wife, the good is the fact that the will of God was done. The will of God in all of this, he was able to see through it. 
And so in our situations, when we go through life and challenges, we often forget to look at what was the will of God in all this? Why was this necessary? And Joseph said, because God did this to save many lives. The reason why was so that many lives would be saved. The primary reason, of course, because you know Joseph never lost his, his relationship with God. He stayed pure. He, sta- he actually grew in his spirituality because when Joseph left home, he didn't have the gift of interpreting dreams like that. He just told a dream. When he got to Pharaoh, he gave Pharaoh an accurate interpretation of his dream. Not only that, he told him what to do about the interpretation. You could tell that he progressed spiritually. And of course, now he was enjoying. So spiritual progression is one thing. All right? The will of God is another thing. And also now he can have physical enjoyment. Good was that many lives had nothing to do with me, that many lives be preserved. What is good? If everything you go through brings you closer to God, it's good. Because in the book of Jeremiah chapter 9, I love this scripture. Verse number 23, the Bible says this, that thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord, God is speaking. Pay attention to what God is saying. God says that, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. So if you're a wise man, you're really smart, you're a whiz. God says, don't glory in that. He says, let not the mighty man glory in his might. You're strong. He says, don't, don't glory in your might. God is speaking. You should listen. He said, don't let the rich man glory in his riches. So you're rich. Don't glory in that. God says this, but let him who glories glory in this. What is the thing you should glory in? That he understands me and that he knows me. The one thing that you can boast about and God is going to allow you to get away with is boasting that I know and understand God. So God is saying, place spirituality above everything else. The premium is the spiritual value that you have. If all you get from the hard seasons of your life is that you get closer to God, is that you get clarity about God, God says that that's good. Glory in this that he understands me and that he knows me. You know, when you think about a guy called Jonah, the story of Jonah is a funny story because God calls Jonah, he's a prophet, and God says to him, go to Nineveh, Jonah chapter 1, Romans 1. And cry out against the land because their wickedness is extreme and the Bible says Jonah does the opposite God says to him go to Montreal Jonah goes to Toronto he gets on the ship and he runs away from the presence of the Lord eventually he ends up in the belly of the whale for three days of the fish I don't know whether it's a whale or not has to be for three days he's in the belly of the fish in the belly of the fish in the belly of the fish he comes to the realization <laughs> comes to his senses and so god tells the fish okay now discharge him the fish evicts him and he goes to nineveh and preaches and all that but that's not where i'm going he disobeyed god he ran away from the presence of the lord got swallowed got ingested by a fish isn't it strange though that when we get to the book of Matthew in the New Testament when Jesus had come that the people come to Jesus and say to Jesus hey master show us a sign (laughs) give us a sign 
and jesus says to them you are wicked and an adulterous generation no sign shall be given to you except that's matthew 12 from verse 38 he answered and said to them an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign no sign none at all will be given to you except the sign of the prophet jonah <laughs> what was the sign of jonah oh that jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth so god jesus here is referring to a sign by the way a sign that only exists because jonah did it in disobedience he's pointing to that as the only sign in the new testament all things god is able to take it turn it around and score a goal the goal is called good and the first thing that defines good is are you closer to god listen listen to me carefully i'm sorry about what i'm about to say but you need to understand it god paid a huge price for your salvation he went to a great length to redeem mankind because of his love for us don't think that he would not go to great lengths to secure your faith in him if god would put things in your hand that would turn you away from him he would not put it in your hands the first thing that god considers good is that you come into the knowledge of him and you grow in the knowledge of him and you're secured in your faith just like job the first thing that was restored to job was his spiritual understanding he said i thought i knew you god but now i know you more than i've ever done i'm paraphrasing i thought i had only heard about you but now my eyes see you my eyes are open i have a revelation of you that i never had before and the bible says after that then god would restore his physical belongings so god is more interested in if you must boast if there is value if there's equity in anything that you've been through it's in number one did it did it bring you closer to god did it grow you in knowledge of did you understand god more there are some things oh my god in the past three four years of my life some of the things that i have come to walk into in god you could never have taught me i only had to experience certain things to see god in that light painful but oh my god i would never take those classes again why i know more i know better my faith is stronger than it was before that is good as far as god is concerned what we think that makes us happy eventually if it takes us away from the presence of god that is bad but the bible says that that good that outcome it's for only a select people it's for those who love god because we quote the scripture i know this is working out for my good i hear people say it all the time but they don't quote the beginning and the end which is that and we know i'll come back to that later but it says that for those who love god and what does loving god mean jesus christ said several times that if you love me keep my commandments how you know you love god is not that you cry in worship crying is good it's not that you roll on the floor when you pray that's fine too it's that you obey me simple if you're not obeying me you don't love me you can weep but that's not the definition of love from god's point of view in john 14 and 15 he says if you love me keep my commandments he goes further down in verse 21 he says he who keeps who has my commandments and keeps them is he that loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father verse 23 he says if anyone loves me he will keep my word simple it's 
explicit if you love me you will keep my words if you don't keep my words then you don't love me so while you go through your challenges and all things are happening to you do not forget to keep loving God to keep obeying God when things are hard obey God whatever it is that he asks you to do in that season just do it because the love of God here is the agape love by the way it's not the three types of love at least three types of love in the Bible there's agape there's filio and there's eros eros is erotic love or lustful love filios is like brotherly love emotional love agape love is a sacrificial love that is based on choice and based on surrender so when God says that my commandment the first commandment of the Lord is thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart all your might and all that he's asking for agape because God cannot command you to have a feeling towards him that would be unfair he's asking for a choice and so Jesus asked Peter Peter do you love me do you agape me Peter responds and says I feel you I feel you file you whatever p-h-i-l-e-o I file you you and Jesus says again Peter do you agape me he says no I feel you and <laughs> he's basically saying there's a distance between what I'm expecting of you and what I know you think you love me because Peter was an emotional dude he wanted to die for Jesus in his mind but Jesus was saying it's the choices you make that determine if you love me or not when you're going through and I know we have gone through we are going through keep loving God the end of it will be good I, I promise you it will be good it will be good if you if you keep loving God your perspective stays intact and he can use it to strengthen your faith give you more faith because it's by faith we transact use it to establish his will and then also for your enjoyment but the Bible says this and I want to read this last text as I close today I know how this story ends it ends in good the neglect the abuse all the trauma childhood present past it ends in good it ends in a revelation of what you've been through so much hurt it's going to reveal a side of God to you first Corinthians 2 and verse 6 I close with this one it says however we speak wisdom among those who are mature this is wisdom among the mature yet not the wisdom of this age nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory which none of the rulers of this age knew for had they known that's it had they known they would not have crucified the Lord of glory so the Bible says to us that this is wisdom for the mature it takes a mature Christian to have this wisdom that I can dance in travails that I can celebrate and rejoice in pain because had they known the ultimate example of all things working together for good it wasn't good for Jesus when he was going on the when it was being whipped approaching the place of his slaughter of his crucifixion it wasn't good for him but the will of God was being done it was for the salvation of mankind so this is wisdom among the mature I know you want to you know you want to hear a prophecy by next week everything is going to turn around for you okay but those are things that if God is saying that then of course it would happen 
but there are seasons of your life where all you need to know and remind yourself of is that i know how the story ends is that all things are working together for good doesn't matter how long it takes doesn't matter how things look today it is working together for my advantage i will know the lord more i would have insight that i would never have had any other way oh i would have an eternal destiny oh the will of god is being done through my life and guess what even on the earth there'll be physical enjoyment associated with that so when you play on this team and god has arranged the team the team of all things i call it understand that i know exactly how the story ends so you have a bad week and someone something happens that punches you in the guts all that happened is that the enemy fouled you you're going to shoot free throws and you're going to get the ball back god is able to use all these things and he will use them if your heart remains fixed on him if you love god called according to his purpose but the key is this it starts with and we know do you know because if you don't know you cannot rejoice in it and we know this is wisdom amongst the mature you must know it said before that we are raising disciples now not just believers one of the things that disciples do is that they're mature that they're mature they don't they don't give up on god when things go bad they don't blame god and curse god like job's wife told him curse god and die and job was like no what are you talking about all things work together for good i know how the story ends and it ends with good bow your heads with me wherever you are thanks again for listening to hear more messages like this one make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel if you want to be a blessing to others share the message to stay connected download our app and follow us on instagram at lighthouse church ottawa we love you